episode 177 craig wants to talk about pasternak again we are going to talk about sorry lindy ruff and craig has pretty much squashed everything else that i thought was maybe kind of topical to talk about like the world cup is coming up next week i think that's pretty cool you know we're not going to talk about that because he squashed that he's in a shitty mood because he's getting the heat at home to put a ring yeah, in. i'm getting the heat and I'm he doesn't heat he right doesn't want to put a rink in I'm in I'm in uh the ultimate defense mode. Um I'm trying to uh hold it together here, but I'm getting uh I'm getting shots across the bow from everywhere. And the discussion is sure I um, don't help that matter. Yeah, the discussion <laughs> is that uh, I'm getting flack because uh I don't want to do an outdoor rink this year. For the first time, I came here in 2000, it would have been the 2008-2009 season. Um, it's the first time that I will not do a rink. Is this official? Uh, I, like, have you made the decision? Have you made well, the house technically? The I've technically decision made the, the decision. Rink? Yes, it's over. The rink's over this year. Yes, but I'm getting a lot of pushback right now. So there's a company. There's a company that I use um, that does a fantastic job every single year. They 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 bring they put the boards up they uh put the tarp up on the ground they have oh, you've been a, doing that i i thought you had been doing it all i did it for years the, i did it okay i never knew that you years. i never knew that you went that way i thought you were like the guy that did it all by himself and didn't have to you know i didn't did want to pay for it did it i on did your that own. for years i went to a hardware store got the, the walter know, gretzky multiple. way i thought you were walter gretzky the entire time sorry I went to a hardware store. I bought all the wood. I bought the 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 spikes. I bought all of it. The tarp. I did it all by myself for years, and then realized that there was a company out there that that uh, that I found out about that came and 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 basically brought the boards, brought everything. They 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 did nets at the back, they did floodlights. It was absolutely fantastic. And my kids have uh my kids have enjoyed it uh immensely for years. Um so right now my two oldest are in college, okay? So they're out of the house, they're moved on. Um I have uh my youngest son who's 14 who basically here's my issue he will only use the rink basically after after jan like january is when the, well, yeah. when the temperatures start to drop here in buffalo it's just the elements here in buffalo so the problem that i have with this is my youngest son is in a tournament Almost every yeah. single weekend of he's January. In, he's in junior. He, he's in junior Saberville. I mean, he's getting it more than enough ice and work that can more can, than can tie them over. But it's not enough for him. That's the problem. It's not enough. He wants more. He wants the ice. He wants the outdoor rink. He's telling me that his that his buddies that he has. Like I love this more than anything. You have to understand something. I love watching kids on an outdoor rink more than anything in the world to me i remember back up in north bay ontario oh, here we, uh oh I, when you get the remember back that's when you're going you're going it was, long you're going long <laughs> but it was my it was it was my haven 
like I told you before, on a Saturday, I would wake up, my mom would pack me a lunch. She'd give me five bucks. Okay. Doesn't I would sound go like to, much, by the way, but back then, five bucks got you a ton. A ton. Five bu- no, no, no. Two dollars would have been a lot because you're buying what I bought. Every half an hour, there was a hut where we were. So I would go on the ice. I'd skate for an hour. I'd go, go up because it was freezing. And I mean, freezing cold oh, yeah, temperatures up freezing. So I would buy a 25 cent hot chocolate or a 25 cent, um, chicken soup, vegetable now, soup. Now right? that same hot chocolate's a dollar 50 carry on. So I spent, I spent my childhood on the outdoor rink. It's literally where I wanted to spend all of my time. I was the happiest, uh, young kid in the world. Okay. I watch my, my own kids now. Uh, I love nothing more when they bring their friends over and they play their game and they've got their toques on and they have layers of clothing. And then by the end of the day, their clothing's gone because they're getting hot and they're just loving life. And I, I get the point. I get the point. And so does everyone listening. Get to the point. So you're getting shit from your, from Krista because she wants you to put the rink in. She wants the rink. And I keep (laughs) telling her this, we're talking thousands of dollars for me to put up this rink. And everyone's going, oh, yeah, you got the money. Just shut your mouth. And no, like it's, it's, it's not about the money, but it is about the money. There's going to be no use out of it. Like, and on top of that, what my wife doesn't understand is that someone needs to take care of it. Someone <laughs> needs to shovel it and snow blow it and chisel it and water it and brush it. And I have, you know me, I have a bit of an issue. I have a bit, a bit of an issue with making things clean. So I call it obsessive ungodly Craig amount disorder. of mother OCD <laughs> obsessive Craig disorder. <laughs> I spent an ungodly amount of time on the outdoor rink because if, if something's not perfect, then I'm going to be out there making it perfect. And then all of a sudden it snows a little bit or something happens. And I'm like, I won't, I can't leave it. There's just no time because my, my middle son, who's basically the one who's going to use it the entire time is, is, is busy. He is busy. There's going to be no time. So I'm just going to be dropping thousands of dollars to have them come set up this rink. And then all of a sudden, what, for what? No, did it's she, not going to be used. Did she guilt you with the youngest one? She absolutely guilted me with the youngest <laughs> one. Well, you do have a daughter and her daughter, uh, our, her friends want to go and skate on it. And I'm like, every year it's like, she skates like, oh, they're bears to put the rink in this exactly. year. Exactly. <laughs> I was surprised today that you hadn't seen, uh, the video of the Prudential center the other night. I did All- see it. I just didn't understand it. Oh, okay. Okay. I couldn't understand what they were saying. Okay. Okay. So they were chanting, sorry, Lindy, during the game. That's for the reason of, well, I think if you look at their record last year, they, and, and, and we even talked about it too. We, we talked about is Lindy Ruff going to make it to the end of last season? And would they even bring him back this season? And he had one more year left on his contract. And I don't know if they rolled the dice with him or maybe saw something that we didn't see or know, but I mean, I wouldn't say that we were calling for his head, but I think we were wondering if his head was on the chopping block in New Jersey. And here they are 13 and two beating everybody. 
What have they won? Like their last seven games or something? Well, they're 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 definitely on fire. Um, one of the top teams in the league. I think they've only lost three games this year, like you said. Um, watching them play just a couple days ago against Calgary, I mean, they are super fast. I mean, they are super, super fast in the forward line. The way they transition the puck, the way they forecheck, the way they cycle, move the puck. I mean, even their even their bigger, more powerful players like um um wood you know uh what is it basin basin bastion i mean they bastion they have some really really good players on their team they play they play for each other they play together lindy has these guys playing excellent hockey and i will be the first one to say that i was i was very nervous about lindy's uh job this year okay I think that if he would be starting slow in this in this year, I think he w- he would have got fired midway through the season. He's, they were zero and two. They started zero and two. They lost their first game of the season five two to Philly. They lost their second game of the season, the home opener to Detroit five to two, and then they went Anaheim win, New Islanders win, San Jose win, Washington win, Detroit win. Colorado win, Columbus win, uh, Vancouver win, Edmonton win, Calgary win, Calgary win, Ottawa win, Arizona win. Holy shit. Doesn't matter who they're playing. Lindy has a very skilled hockey team. They're very young. They're very fast. They're very skilled. The best part about them is every single one of those guys has bought in, has bought into Lindy Ruff's system okay which is manage the puck and take care of your defense your your defensive zone if you take care of the defensive zone first then you have more time to play in the offensive zone but a lot of young players a lot of very skilled players they don't they don't it does that doesn't translate in their head when you know a coach like lindy says hey let's we need to care about our defensive zone. Let's play really good defense. All these young guys, all these skilled guys are like, oh, this is bullshit. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do it. He has every single player on that team playing defense first hockey, which translates to a lot more opportunity in the offensive zone, and they're taking advantage of it. They're playing great right now. That's no different than what I, I, I for years, you used to tell me, I don't want to hear anymore about 0506, but in 0607 i think we scored the most goals in the league that year and that was his same philosophy protect your own end you know like back check hard he was he was doing everything the same way and i almost feel like that team is kind of structured the same way too and built the same way as some of the teams that he's had in the past but i just would love to know what he's like now as a coach i, I couldn't imagine you know, like, well, listen, I mean, these he, kids he, are, they're, 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 when did he start to coach? What was his first year? What was his first as a head coach as a head coach? Cause I know that he was an assistant coach for the Florida Panthers. Yeah. And then he was hired in what? 97, 97. Okay. Seven. Yeah. I think a long time ago. Like we're talking a long, long, long time ago. 97, Lindy 98 was, was the first season. Lindy Ruff would have had to change his ways. Lindy Ruff coaching 
okay, in 97, let's say to, you know, 2003, okay, six, six years from 2003 to and beyond, he would, he became a different coach, more confident coach. He was harder on his players. He was very, very, very hard on his top players. Okay. And that stretched all the way through. And then there was a point in time when he um, moved on from the Buffalo Sabres, had an incredible um, run with them, but then became an assistant coach. Where did he start? The Rangers? Yeah, he after Dallas. He, he exactly. He went to Dallas and then, you know, became an a, an assistant coach for the Rangers, so was able to step back. I we all said this. When Lindy when Lindy went on to the Rangers and became an assistant coach, we all said the exact same thing when when we heard about it. Is that he is going to be an unbelievable assistant coach. And do you remember why we said that? Yeah, because he actually has a good personality. Yeah. He's like super I, fun to be around. Yeah, like he he's a captivating person. You know, but man, he had his moments where he just was not, did not seem very approachable at all, at all. And seemed very disinterested in even getting to know some of the players on his team, which. Yes, because he, he, he coached through fear. There, there's the cuddly coaches that are, you know, want to like uh, protect all their players and, you know, just wants to, you know, make sure everybody's happy. And that wasn't Lindy. Lindy walked around the room and he scared the shit out of everybody. And that was his mantra. That was the way he did things. Okay. That's the way that probably Lindy grew up when he played in the league. He probably played for coaches that scared the crap out of him. So he learned through who was who he learned from the coaches the other coaches that coached him i think that in today's game in 2022 i think lindy ruff has to become a different coach he had there's no way there is absolutely zero chance that lindy ruff is the same coach as what he was coaching 10 years ago there's absolutely no way. I can I don't guarantee know how he, because there's going to be no player in today's game, no player in today's game that would put up or deal with how Lindy coached back years ago when he was coaching. It's a it's a different style of player. It's a different personality of player. They're not nearly the same in the way that they've been brought up. Okay. And I think Lindy would have to change his style of coaching. And I think, you know, dealing with this young New Jersey team, you know, when they make mistakes, it's not going to be like what he did with Thomas Vanek and Derek Roy and all our top players. He crucified those guys. He made, he made points about, you know, being hard on those guys, because if he was hard on the top guys, then everybody else below them was on pins and needles because if you're going to rip on our stars then everybody else understood it and knew it that we've if 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 the coach is going to rip these guys then I'm I'm on the I'm in hot water. I need to play every single shift like it's my last. And that's the way he coached. But yeah. I don't think 
that he can coach the same way with this new generation of hockey player? Well, you know, there were times you, you wondered, you wondered why and how he lasted through some of the times that he did in all those years in Buffalo. I mean, like I remember my first year in 2003, 2004, there was a lot of turmoil going on with Lindy in the locker room. I mean, a lot like that was my introduction to the NHL was coming into a team and that had missed the playoffs for two years, right? Going on a third year. And I can remember players like defending him in the media, go home and turn on the TV as a rookie. And you're like, I got to see this shit. Like I'm living in this shit. Like you can, and you see the guys like, oh, you know, like one guy's asked, do you, do you want the coach? Do you want Lindy to be fired? And the player's like, I don't want that. Do you want that? And he turned the question back on the media. Right. And they're like, oh, no, no, we don't want that. And like, we lost like eight in a row. And I mean, Rim, it guys were like just waiting for Lindy to get fired. Like they were, they were almost playing for Lindy to get fired. I swear, I'm not kidding you. It was, it was a disaster. But then, hard to fire a coach that every single person in the city of Buffalo, loved more than probably any player they loved lindy as a coach they loved his style blue collar hardworking, you know aggressive guy and uh they liked the way he spoke to the media they loved everything about lindy lindy represented this city and that's why he is loved loved beyond like you you think of all the players that have come and gone over the last number of decades people still to this day now lindy is coached with the rangers with dallas now he's with you know new jersey buffalo sabers fans still see lindy as arguably the greatest coach to ever coach this organization i think he is loved in this city and you know what good on good on good on lindy for representing this this city it's a hardworking city. This is this is a fan base that knows hockey. May not be the biggest fan base. It's not we're not the the Rangers. Okay, we're not we're not those massive markets. But this market right here in Buffalo, and I knew. Listen, I hated playing here. I hated playing in Buffalo. I I can't even tell you. I can't tell you when I played for when I played for. Um, you know, the Montreal Canadians. I hated Buffalo. I hated the, I hated the city. I hated the fans that came to the game. I hated the teams that were put on the ice and I hated the coach. But now that I was here, now that I came to this city and I was able to play for this team under Lindy, which for me, I didn't have the greatest experience with Lindy. I'll just tell you that right now. Do I think he is an elite coach? I think he's one of the best coaches to ever coach in the NHL. My time with Lindy was not that. It was not that. Did not have the relationship as a captain that I've had on other teams and other coaches that treated me with respect, okay? And that I had open communication with those coaches. 
Lindy, I didn't have any relationship with. I didn't have any communication with him either. I talked to him five times, probably in, in the three years I was here in Buffalo. That's not inducive to, you know, a working relationship with a, with a head coach and a captain, but that's, that's fine. I still look past that and say, Lindy Ruff is arguably one of the greatest coaches to ever coach in the NHL of all time. One thing that he's missing right now, it's just missing that, that golden standard, that golden standard that will put him on a pedestal with the greatest coaches ever to coach in this league. And that's the Stanley cup. I don't think New Jersey has that in them. I'm sorry to say that, but, um, you know, I mean, unless they make some moves and, and get a few pieces, but let's just say they're off to a good start to at least having, having a good season. But, you know, I just, I think Lindy deserved the recognition here. I think that's incredible, especially, you know, because one of the biggest things about New Jersey, I played there is it's not a massive hockey market. It doesn't sell out all the time. I played there when I played there, we were really good, but we weren't sold out all the time. It, that building. Well, they were sold out back in the old building. Okay. Back in the old building when in, in the, in the late nineties and you have, you I know, thought that New was Jersey. always the criticism was like in their game seven Stanley cup finals. They can't sell out their own building. That's I, I think that's not true. Um, yeah. team, uh, fans will always come and watch a winning team. Now, New Jersey was the, was the team in the late nineties, early two thousands that, brought in the trap something that every single fan and person who watched the game of hockey despised the the dreaded new jersey trap every single player on that team played it to a t but they also won stanley cups because of it okay and i remember the environment in those city in the in the old building that it was it was pretty pretty damn good now the new building which is a beautiful and i mean beautiful rink their practice is facilities right empty. inside. It is empty. It there's no atmosphere whatsoever. But the New Jersey Devils have struggled as an organization for a number of years. Like I mean, a number of years. So the fan base is not there. Now this this current team, when you win, they will come. And right now. You, you I, I think New Jersey is in a good situation. I'm going to tell you why. Jack Hughes was the first overall pick in the uh, 2019 draft. First overall, absolute stud hockey player. 15 points in 15 games. People are like, ah, you know, it's good, but it's not great. Here's the thing. He's still, he's still young, super, super young, 21 years old. They have him under a long-term contract for $8 million. Eight. The salary cap's going up. $8 million a few years ago was a lot of money. $8 million for a superstar player like Jack Hughes moving forward for the next seven years, eight years, is nothing. It's an awesome contract. Nico Heischer, the captain of the team, the first overall pick in 2000, what, uh, 17, 16? Yeah. You look at him, 7.25. Yeah. 
Nico Heischer is a hell of a hockey player. He is, he's someone that is, is going to make this team better. I mean, he's 14 games, eight goals, 17 points. He's a big factor. What I'm trying to say is these guys aren't making 11 and $12 million. They're not eating a bunch of the cap. This is under extremely reasonable contracts on very young players, 21 and 23. Yeah, but I mean, they hit it. They, I mean, so far they have hit an absolute grand slam with a sixth round pick. It's very, very rare. And I, that you hit a six round pick that leads your team. Oh, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yes. For Brad. Yep. Like, Say what you want, Dougie Hamilton, Thomas Tatar has been in the league, Miles Wood's been in the league. You know, Bastion's not that old at all. He's got 134 games, but you know, you get a guy like Jesper Bratt, and we've talked about him over the years, but not enough that you say, you know, but 35 points as a rookie. I remember him that year. Then he had 33 the next year in 51 games, and and now he's exploded. Yeah. He kind of listen, I mean, they're gonna have to pay him. That's you know, we're not even worried about the money. I'm just talking about like talking like we talk about hitting on second round picks. Maybe you get lucky and hit a third round pick, but six rounders like this to 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 um, take on what he's taken on in such a short period of time as a six round pick. Six rounders didn't even get a chance till they were twenty three, twenty four years ago. Yeah, you know so. That's some good scouting there. I'd love well, to when know we who were found doing that, kid. that was we before were, Lindy, but still. When we were on the player cast um, two Saturdays ago, New Jersey was playing Calgary. And who did we have on as a guest at the time? Mike Rupp. Mike Rupp. Mike Rupp was basically saying, and if you you can remember this, he was basically saying that New Jersey will not pay Jasper Brad. And I, I, I was like, how, how do you, how can you not pay Jasper Brad? He's got 19 points, 15 games. Okay. The team is winning. It's not a one hit wonder because the year before he had 26 goals and 73 points. Jasper Brad yes, has, but has Jasper Brat has, has arrived. He's 24 years old. He's arrived. He is a player that is taking advantage of his opportunity and he's a hell of a hockey player. They're going to have to pay him because if you lose Jasper Brat, if you lose him, who's going to replace him? He's your leading scorer on the team for two years in a row now. So far, this is a player that is going to, he's going to garner you know, now you have to make the decision. Is he going to make more money than Jack Hughes? And I think that's where the New Jersey Devils are sitting there saying, no, 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 no. Jack Hughes is our pinnacle, is our standard. So any anybody on this team is going to be making under him. That's, yeah, that's so give him eight, the eight for eight. You could, but that's the thing. That's the great thing about it is that eight, two, you have two $8 million players. That's not like having two $10 million players. And you have, so your three best players could be at eight, eight and seven and a quarter, 7.2. These yeah. teams like the Leafs are, are, are three players a, a, at 11, 11, plus. six, 11, and then 10.7. No, 10.9 something. Sorry. 
Who's he's that, an Marner? eleven. Marner's an eleven yeah, million dollar guy. Eleven million dollar player. I mean, th- and there's no way Jesper Brack goes in there and says, "I'm I deserve more than Jack Hughes." But I mean, you might have a, uh, you know, your Ranton and McKinnon type scenario. But at the same time, if he's making eight and a half and he's leading your team in scoring or making nine, does it really matter? You know, I mean, he's still, it's still not a bad contract for a guy that's doing that. I just can't believe he's a six round pick. The more impressive thing about New Jersey, though, and we'll move on to another team, is their depth, where they're getting the rest of their game from. I mean, who the hell are these guys? Miles Wood is a UFA, by the way, at the end of the year. Well, and, and he's one of their best players. Yes. Um, you know, Miles Wood is is a is a really strong third line type left winger that I've talked about him. You've talked about him for years. It's someone that I think I think it's the the Sabers the Sabers need players like this because guess what? We talk about the Sabers and they have the exact same type players through their whole entire lineup. They're all the same. Starting They're all the same. That now. Miles Wood is a different type of player than any player that the Sabres have. And that's just, that's what makes this, this team like Nathan Baston. 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 You know who I'm talking about? Six yep. four, two hundred and five pounds. He's a twenty four year old that plays big hockey. He's big. He hits everything in sight. He skates exceptionally well. He's driving to the front of the net. He lives in the front of the net, and he's given it to the defenseman on the other team in front of their own net because that's his territory and that's where he's going to muck it up and he's going to throw a body check in the corner. He's going to make defensemen honest. They're going to be checking their shoulders when they're going back. Oh, I know this, this guy is going to lay me out. So I've got to come in here and protect myself instead of making a play. That's the difference between Buffalo. When a defenseman has a, a, a puck dumped in, he's checking his shoulder. And he's, oh, I got Victor Olsen on me. <laughs> I don't have to worry about being hit. All the time in the world. And I'm not, <laughs> again, I'm not putting down Victor Olsen. Pick on him a lot. I'm just saying. He's a great hockey player. I mean, super insanely skilled. He is a player with 100% certainty. Teams would salivate to get this player. But on our team in particular, in the Buffalo Sabres team in particular, team that I played on, they need to start to have a different type of player. Not someone that's going to just be a bag of crap that's going to go and hit everything in sight and not produce anything offensively. No, Miles Wood, for an example, in New Jersey, he's probably the one of the fastest forwards on the team. 6'2", 200 pounds, flies around with reckless abandon, but he also plays a, a solid game. I look at, I look at uh, for an example, he has 15 games played. He has six goals and nine points plus seven, 31 penalty minutes. So he's playing a, a physical brand, nasty brand of hockey, he's scoring goals. Got to have some guys in the Sabres lineup that will play like this. 
can't have the same type of player throughout our entire roster. And that's, that's one of the issues I've been saying this for almost a decade, literally almost a decade back when I played for the Sabres, back when you played for the Sabres, we had Adam Maris. Adam Mayer was an unbelievable hockey player, like an unbelievable hockey player. Okay. You played with him quite a bit. Okay. You look at Adam Mayer and the way that he played, Adam Mayer could go and play in the second line. If you needed, because of injuries, Adam Mayer could move to a second, third line and, and you could put him in there and, and feel very comfortable. Okay. He had solid skills. He, he, he played the game the right way. He was a, a first, very he was a first round pick in the OHL. I think people unbelievable don't player. realize that. Either. Patrick Coletta was a different style of player than, you know, a Danny Pie, a Clark MacArthur, a Drew Stafford. Um, you know, you just go through our, our top players, a Thomas Vanek. There were different styles of players. You look at the Sabres right now, have the same type of player throughout their entire, entire roster, except for maybe a Gergensen. He might be the one player that I could see is a little bit different than that's the rest. I love Zemgus. I've always loved Zemgus, but for him to be a lone wolf in that regard, it's completely unfair to him. And it almost, it's like, cause he has a hockey game. He needs to play too. He can't just be that type of player. Patty Coletta was a wrecking ball. He went on the ice. Guys used to yell to him. You know, there's a puck on the ice, Coletta. Like he just wanted to go and kill guys. And that's but it. why did he why did he want to go and kill guys? And here's the thing: if you had an opportunity to talk behind the scenes with Patrick Coletta, Patrick Coletta knew that he had one thing to do, and he tried to do it every single game. And he was the he was statistically the best player in the entire NHL at this. And he knew it. He knew it as a young player. He went out every single time he was on the ice to do what? Destroy somebody. Nope. Okay, what? Yeah, to have another team take a penalty on him. Oh, okay. So Patrick Coletta right now, um, I see him quite often, talk to him quite often. The guy's got, you know, uh, vertebrae that are all hanging out the back of his <laughs> neck uh, that are all over the place because this guy literally allowed people, he got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for allowing people to punch him in the face in a scrum because he knew that his number one job going on the ice was to try and irritate the other team and suck them into a penalty. And there was a statistic and Patty, Patty Coletta can tell you this, that there was a statistic that he was so far ahead of the second person in the league of drawing penalties of penalties being taken against a player, Patrick Coletta was like, I mean, miles ahead of number two. <laughs> Patty knew exactly what he had to do. He sacrificed his body every single uh, night. If I'm going to a fight, then I got to draft one of my buddies. <laughs> I'm calling Uncle Pat, man. With a thousand percent. Without question. Guy's got a switch like I've never seen in my life. It is, it's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. But he's seen. the most team oriented oh, player. It's... He sacrificed his body. I've never seen a guy take more and face 
you know, he had a, uh, you, you know, he wore his visor and people punched that thing so many times and he got cut so many times in his chin and his lips and, and he, and his neck now, now that he's done the game of hockey, he's, he's hurting. He's hurting from the way that he played sacrificed himself for the team he was a physical he hit every single every single person that he could he made people uncomfortable the four check he blocked shots everything yeah and that's oh, a yeah. different style of player than your top end players that are there to do a different type of game you know they have um vancouver coming in here tomorrow night and that's that's a very winnable game for them but <laughs> man this why like, do you say that because I think they match up well against them. They've they've lost a couple matched of games, up well against Arizona too at home. How'd that work out? Yeah, yeah. You're you're turning negative a bit. I eh? I'm not like, I'm not turning negative. Not turn, I, but everybody, listen. I mean, this this team is so inconsistent in the way that they play. Okay, they need um, to have a whole bunch of players on this team, look at themselves in the mirror for a really long time and figure out what do I need to do to help this team win hockey games? A lot of them are so inconsistent. It is off the chart. You can sit there and, and go and rely on Tage Thompson. Okay. And Rasmus Dahlin. You can go and rely on those guys only so much. And eventually, you know, after the loss, after the loss, after more losses, you're going to start to, to realize like, where are the other guys? Where are the other players? There needs to be more consistency in how they play as a unit, as an entire team, not just, not just individuals. The individuals need to look at themselves. Okay. But the entire team needs to look at each other and say, how are we going to get out of this? They've lost five games in a row. They went from being one of the talks of the NHL. Okay. That was, that was after under, under 10 games, they were talking about that. And now all of a sudden, you know, five games later, they drop from one of the top teams in a great position in this playoffs. They're all talking playoffs. And now all of a sudden they're one of the, one of the bottom teams in the league. Yeah, 15 right games, there's they... seven games, seven wins, eight losses. And they have a, you know, their their next four games are against Canadian teams. They have Vancouver tomorrow night. They have Ottawa on Wednesday in Ottawa. So they have a back-to-back home against Vancouver in Ottawa. That's not an easy trip because you have the customs thing and you're going to get in late there in Ottawa. Um then you have Toronto on Saturday night in Toronto, and then you have Montreal on Tuesday. So those are your next four. So that to, to round out that five game segment, you have St. Louis. So, I mean, there, there are some games here that they need to take advantage of. Cause the, we, we did say when we had Kyle Oposo on the um, you know, what, what does the first 20 games look like? And it started off really well, it started off really well, but I mean, in the last decades, and we've had, to, we've had, we've seen Buffalo Sabres teams 
that have that have been the worst team in the league. We've seen a team that's uh, been the worst. We've seen it been the second worst. We've seen it been the fifth worst. We've seen multiple, you know, five, six, seven ranked teams, the lowest in the league. You know what they all had in common? They all started the 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 top or, or the first ten games well, and they can't sustain it for some reason. Where's the you coach? You have to. You have to, you have to understand that the game of hockey is very, very, very easy to lose games. It's very easy to lose games, but they're very, very, very hard to win. And you need to be structured. You need to be mentally strong. You need to have all of your shit together. Okay. Your top players need to be your top players each and every night, not just some nights. Jeff Skinner needs to be a top player every Doesn't single have night it in him. Okay, well, it, it's then not, he shouldn't be playing. Well, listen, listen, listen. It's not like uh, he, he should not be playing on a top line. He should roll over on the power play for sure. Okay, but he's not. He should not be playing he on the top. Shouldn't be playing line. on a top line. No. So where are you going to play? I don't care. Like he's, a third line, like a fourth uh, line. No, not a fourth line. Where are you putting him then? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I, he, like, no like offense. Victor Olsen he, has he, nine like goals right on, now. He shouldn't be on this team making $9 million, but he is. So you have to try to utilize him as best you can. But I'm sorry. I, I watched the game the other night, and I watched a, uh, you know, we were just talking about Lindy Ruff. And when I watch players, I don't watch players and judge them based on, what I think of them, I watch them through the eyes of how I would hear Lindy and what he expected from his players, all of his players, every single player. Okay. Yes, what was expected of me might have been different than a Danny Briere, or Chris Drury, or even a Craig Reve, but he still expected the same thing out of every player. And that was effort, effort. That was it, effort. And I don't see effort all the time from these players. Jeff Skinner is a lazy, he is an opportunistic player who does not give a shit about anything else but getting the puck and going the other way. If that's a harsh reality, he's making 9 million bucks a year. Good for him. Good for him. Scored 41 goals at the right time. He is a fantastic hockey player, but he's he's lazy as it gets. Okay? You got other is guys? He a fan ha- is he a fantastic hockey player? I mean, he scored 40 played, goals in the NHL. played 11 years. I mean, he's, he's played he, 11 he has, years in the league, Petey. No, no playoff games. Zero. None. That's, that's just a problem, be on the, by the way. got to be on the teams. That's a problem. Listen, I mean, you want... Uh, listen, I don't need 40 goals. I don't need 40 goals. Give me a player that's going to score 20 goals, not 40, 20. That is going to be super tough to play against each and every shift. He's going to be fast. He's going to be physical. He's going to be on pucks. He's going to, he's going to wear other teams down with the style of play right now. We've got far too many guys that are easy to play against. I mean, far too many. It's been like that for years and years and years. And Kevin Adams can sit in the press box and he can watch JJ Paterka's and the Jack Quinn's and, and uh, the Krebs and all these players, he can, he can allow them to mature and get better, but still talking the same thing. 
Okay. There's there's players on this team that are not playing the right way. They're super easy to play against. I would have a guy like Miles Wood, who plays on the third or fourth line in New Jersey, times 10 over Jeff Skinner on the left wing with Thompson and whoever's on whoever's the flavor of the week on that line. You know, well, I, the funny I thing just, you, you mentioned that, like, I mean, Miles Wood makes $3.25 million a year. Jeff Skinner makes nine. I would take a Miles Wood at nine million right now <laughs> over a Jeff Skinner that makes 3.2. Because I don't care about the goals. The goals will come through the way that you play the game. By wearing down teams physically and mentally and being a strong, united team. This team right now, to me, looks very young. They're, they're young. They're very fragile. Who's going to be the guy stepping up in the room? They, just, they, they have some fragile players. Very, very skilled players. Don't get me wrong. We're talking super great players. They could be moved to another team. And they could they could even take off even more than what they're doing already because they're they're excellent offensive players. This has nothing to do with just a great offensive player. This has to do with how you track the puck in the neutral zone, how you play your system, how how hard of you are you on the boards? Are you winning one on one battles? Hockey in the NHL is about one on one battles. It's about puck protection. It's about going to the areas where other teams do not want you to go. And there's players on this team that refuse to go to the, those areas. Okay. Everyone's talking about like Victor Olson has nine goals. Three of them were, uh, were open net. So he has six goals and one assist in 15 games. One assist. This is, this is a guy every this. single night. Extremely talented. He's got a great shot. I understand it. He's super easy to play against. Like, I mean, super easy. Well, Jack Quinn, is what it is. was he told to get a place in Buffalo yet? I hope not. Because he still needs to work through his, his game too. I know he's super young. It's first year in the league. And... You know, he's going to have, have his ups and downs. And I like his I like his game. I like Jack Quinn. I think Jack Quinn's a hell of a player. I think J.J. Paterk is a hell of a player. But again, there are some players on that. And, and those are the guys you want to stick with. Just let them play. Let them work through their ups and downs. Because in a year or two from now, those guys will be taking off. Okay, because they're super skilled. They're, 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 they're really, really, really great players. But you need to insert players into this lineup that are harder to play against, that play a different style. J.J. Paterka plays no differently than Victor Olsen. Victor Olsen plays no differently than Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner doesn't play any different than Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn doesn't play any different than Casey Middlestad. Casey Middlestad doesn't play anything different than Peyton Krebs. Peyton Krebs doesn't play anything different than... Holy shit. Rasmus Aspen. Like, I mean, I could this just keep going that, around you, the whole thing, man. Like when we when when we say they're all the same players, you just kind of jumble it in. You're like, okay, like it just sounds like a general statement. Like but Rasmus Aspen doesn't you, play anything different than uh uh Vinny Henestrosa. I, I when you say it like this, it's extremely, extremely concerning. 
Like right now, like Extremely you look at concerning. you look at the the, did, the have concerning you mentioned, part. Did you Hold on, <laughs> I didn't. The guys on the back end are are trying to do their best. All of them are good players, but there's a difference between a good in the NHL and guys that are difference makers. Like you know, um, Henry Yoki Haru. I think he's a top four defenseman in the NHL on this team. He is missed in the way that he plays the game. Matthias Samuelson. I know he's only played 56 games in the league and, and signed for 30 million. Are you crazy? Oh, he's the reason why we're they've lost missing, five or six in a row, five in a row. Missing his style of play. He's defensive. He's big. He works on the boards. He keeps guys honest in front of the net. He's extremely intelligent, but he is there for one reason and he knows his job and he loves it. And that's to defend first. We're missing that guy. We're missing those guys. He did. But we're also right missing. Of a, we're going to sit there. You're the start of the year. Like, they were thank hot. God. Vancouver's coming in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Vancouver. Thank God. Well, you know what? Let me tell you something. Cage Thompson doesn't come to play. If Tage Thompson doesn't come to play, they have no chance of winning because the other players on the team, as far as I'm concerned, they're struggling right now. Do you think, do you think Adams is making calls, trying to make moves right now? Nope. I don't think so. I think uh, why, why not? Adams, here's the thing. We're, we're sitting on the podcast. Okay. We're giving our, we're spewing our shit. Like if Kevin Adams were to listen to this right now, or, you know, or, or the coach, He'd be like, you know, you guys need to shut the hell up. Okay. We're going to work through this. Everything's fine. Don't, you know, and, and I'm going to be like, uh, no, it's not fine because this has been going on for a decade. Okay. It's the same shit over and over because there's been only one constant in Buffalo for years is that they do not have players in their lineup offensively that play may be more of a physical grinder type game that may not produce a ton of points, but they are very difficult to play against and they wear you down on the other side. And now their teams are uh, take notice when you're on the ice. Simple as that. Fans notice this, by the way. I just want you to know that. Yep. Fan fans are not stupid. Hey, <laughs> The the Sabres fan base is one of the smartest in hockey. And that's not ass kissing. That's fact. Because I talked to them. You talked to them. I played here. Played here when we were good. I played here when we weren't good. And they're not stupid. And there's just one similarity between all these teams for the last, I don't know, decade, but six, seven years. They, they had some grit and stuff. Uh, for a few years, they just didn't have the skill and and talent around it to to be good. But it was almost like the reverse. But then now it's so far in the other direction. It's yeah. like I'll give you a little statistic here. And I'm not listen. I mean, it's going to be shitsville here today. But it is what it is. When you lose five games in a row, this is what happens: thirty-one, twenty, thirteen, thirty-three, eighteen, twenty-eight. 37, 24, 40, 14, 7, 33, and 3. 301 goals scored. Minus 144. 
That's Jeff Skinner. Zero playoff games. Can't put it all on Skinner. I don't give a shit about his goals because goal scoring in the NHL is only one part of the game. When you look at a complete player in the game, okay, those are the ones that, those are the guys that are playing in the playoffs. Those are the ones, those are the guys that are winning championships, guys that can score goals, that have the offensive ability, but they are going to be, they know they're going to score goals because they're just goal scorers. They've been gifted since they were young little kids playing like might hockey and then into, you know, squirt and peewee and bantam. They've been scoring goals their entire lives. The ones that win championships, the ones that play in the playoffs are the ones that understand it's not just about goals. It's about all the other intangibles that you need to be great at in order to help your team. I think that's, I, so, for me, I think that's the most important thing because goals are going to, goals are hard to come by. There's only one thing I, I'm so, I'm I'm so sick. I'm so sick of talking about this. Um, You know, like I thought, I thought the narrative had been changed. You know, I mean, we talked about the speed of the team. We talked about the skill of the team, always questioned the physicality, but you know, maybe you thought, you know, you don't really, you know, maybe other teams don't have it, but even New Jersey has guys that make guys nervous. You know, they play hard. They grind hard. They'll not even about making guys nervous like no one in the league is scared of miles wood like no one in the league is scared of this uh what is it nate baston well when i say nervous they're no one's scared of the definition of nervous like turning pucks over getting body checked i mean you know being made to look bad outworked just going to the just having a big man go to the front of the net when I say nervous, if, if I need to give a new definition in the new game of hockey, when I when I use the word nervous, I'm not talking about guys going out and taking each other's heads off. I'm talking about going out, playing fast, playing hard, outworking teams, body checking players. You're allowed to body check in this league. And in fact, you know what, man? I'm going to tell you something. There was a player the other day that turned off a hit, and I will not mention his name out of respect in it. He had Jack Eichel lined up, lined up. And he opted not to do it. It wasn't even going to be a dirty hit. What's going on with you and David Pasternak? Well, when you when you have a player in Nate McKinnon that uh, signed a deal um, right out of his entry level contract, okay, signed for a six year deal for six million dollars, or six actually it was six point three million a year. Nate McKinnon outgrew that contract within two years, even one year. And the Colorado Avalanche, as far as I'm concerned, won a Stanley Cup because of it. Because Nate McKinnon was on such a, I say, a low-end contract for his abilities and what he does on the ice. Nate McKinnon won or helped win Colorado win a championship. He ended up signing the biggest contract or he's making the most money out of any player in NHL history. He makes $12.6 million a year. When you look at the Boston Bruins, very similar. Okay. David Pasternak has outgrown his contract at $6.6 million. 
He is produced as one of the greatest goal scorers in the game in the last number of years, point producing also. He's been on one of the strongest teams in Boston for, for many years. And he is now an unrestricted free agent, very much like Nate McKinnon. Now, in Boston, Not you're going to lose. You think he's going to be? You think he's going there? Listen, you're going to lose Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci. You're going to lose um, Nick, Foligno, Nick Foligno. You're going to start to lose the older statesmen in Boston. Okay, there's going to be a change of the guard, and and the guard, the change of the guard, the the torch is going to get passed to a David Pasternak. He's an unrestricted free agent. Right now, he sits third in NHL scoring behind Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. I will say this again: there should be zero, and I mean. Zero negotiations. Zero. There should be a piece of paper. There should be no agent. There should be a piece of paper slid across the desk. And tell them in Boston, this is what I'm prepared to sign for. Because I love Boston so much, and Boston is a Boston is a beautiful, beautiful city to live in. Okay. I'm going to take a hometown discount because that's how much I love it. But here is my number. And you are going to sign this with no negotiation. Or I'm not signing here, period. And what that number is could be 11 million. Could be 11 million. He would leave money on the table if he did so. If he signed for $11 million for eight years, $88 million, he would be leaving money on the table. Okay, because he should be signing for almost the exact same amount of money as Nate McKinnon. Because when you go and look at their point totals you're and goal totals, are, they're crazy. identical. You're crazy. No, McKinnon don't, got don't. that money. Here's McKinnon the thing: got that money because he was so uh, underpaid. Like if you look at it, it's exactly double what he was making when he was dominating all these, those years, and should have been making twelve plus. He was every bit as good as Connor McDavid, minus the overall statistics. In fact, he's probably a better all-around player. He might be just as fast. He's maybe not as dynamic, but he has a little more power to his game. He needs any... And hold on. And he won a Stanley Cup, Craig. That's the kicker. Like, if Nate McKinnon doesn't win a Stanley Cup, I don't think he gets $12.6 million. If they go out in the conference finals or maybe lose in the finals, I don't think he gets $12.6 million. I don't think he gets more than McDavid. The Cup gave him the right to ask for more than McDavid. Simple as that, period, end of story. If he doesn't get a cup, he doesn't get 12-6. He gets 12, but he doesn't get 12-6. Just saying. So Pasternak, 10 and a half? Absolutely Mitch Marner? Not. Mitch Marner type, he's not Austin Matthews. Matthews is an MVP. He wasn't when he signed that contract, but he's an MVP. You can't pay him more than Matthews. You can maybe give him 11 in Boston. Yes, you can. And I'll tell you why. Austin Matthew, Matthew signed his deal how long ago? I think he's, what, three or four years into that deal? I'm just going to... Listen, I mean, David Pasternak is, is younger than Nate McKinnon by a year, okay? 
Um, David Pasternak. Five-year deal. And it's has year scored four. 249 goals in 526 games. 249 goals in 526 games. Nate McKinnon has scored 246. So three less goals in basically to McKinnon, 125 more games. Boston has to win the cup in order for you to put him in McKinnon category. So let's pretend they, they, they could, they have a good team, but let's pretend they don't find the next player. Is it Matthews? Cause McKinnon's unfair. You can't, you can't even put David Pasternak and Nate McKinnon in the same sentence. Well, I think you're very wrong when it comes to that. I, I think you can put Pasternak in the same category as as Nate McKinnon. I I I think he's that good. He he has proven himself for years. And 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 this this is about who holds who holds all the cards. Uh, who knows if Pasternak's going to want to go back there after, you know, this year with the Boston Bruins, you know what I mean? He absolutely is going to want to go back there because Boston is a beautiful place to live. That's, that's what it's all about. But I'll ask you again, who holds the cards? Who holds all the cards? Pasternak holds all the cards. The only problem is the, the and I'm not even of- saying Pasternak's going to get 12.5 or 12.6. I'm not saying that, but he is up in he is in the in the discussion of a 12 million dollar player. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's one of the top unrestricted free agents to come available if he does. They're going to have to pay him 11 12 million dollars. Do you remember do you remember years ago? Now this would be going back probably 5 years ago. Do you remember what the Sabers apparently offered Steve Stamkos. Remember that five years ago? No, I don't think they, I don't think they ever got to that point, but I I know that the the GM at the time was telling everyone in Buffalo that he wanted to sign him to 20% of the cap, whatever that was, 14 million. No, it was 11.5, 11.5. I was told that the Buffalo Sabres had offered, or at least had discussions with the agent. 11.5. Five, he ended up saying no, and he signed in Tampa Bay for eight point five. Five years ago, five. The salary cap is going to skyrocket in the next number of years in the NHL. It's going to go up by almost ten million in in the next four years. David Pasternak is going to get his twelve million dollars. He's going to get $12 million. He might, if he wants to stay in Boston, he might give a hometown discount and that would be around 11. Well, the way it is, because if Boston says, no, we don't want to pay you that, which they're going to have to, they have to, they're losing. Like Brad Marchand is, is awesome. We love him. The rat. He's 34 years old. He's 34 years old. He only has a number of years left. That's yeah, they have a two-year a window. Level. They have a two-year window. Yep. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle.
and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. Thank <laughs> you.